Welcome to The Business Grind, where we give you an inside perspective on what it takes to start, build, and run a successful business. Here are your hosts, Danny Shaw and Sean Michael Wellington. All right. Hello to everyone in podcast land today. Thanks for joining us. Sean, as usual, how you feeling today? Feeling great. Happy to uh, be talking about culture versus strategy. For what we're going to do today, um, we're going to talk about a topic that gets discussed a lot uh, with businesses, uh, small and large culture versus strategy and and the dynamics between the two. Um, You know, what's important is one more important over the other and so forth. Um, So for me, I became of the culture versus strategy conversation um, in grad grad school uh, where it was just establishing, you know, why the common, the sentiment is culture eats strategy all the time. And then from my, mm-hmm. uh, uh, going upon further research, I, and it's usually attributed to Peter Drucker, who was like a famous uh, business uh, management leader, educator and author, you know, it his contributions, uh, you know, helped shape the way we do uh, modern business foundation, where he was quoted as saying, uh culture eats strategy <laughs> eats strategy for breakfast if i'm you know paraphrase paraphrase so you know early on when i read that topic or read the article and you know had my own thoughts and reflected back on my own experience um you know i think initially i definitely understood why the sentiment is culture versus with within culture versus strategy why culture definitely quote or eat strategy right but you know i started thinking about it a little bit more a couple more layers saying like is is one more important than the other uh how do they relate to each other what's the balance in between the two as opposed to just saying uh one eats the other you know yeah and i think me and you kind of with coming from our expertise where we are you're a very strategic process person mm-hmm. so i think it'll be interesting to hear how you break that down and then also flip side of me because i you know i'm the seeking to learn more of the strategy so but i do feel like i have a grasp on the culture side and how important it is i think we for the most part we can all agree that you, what you want to strive for is a, a sort of an equal a balance and an equilibrium between the two right yeah definitely and i'll add to that i think at least me from a personal standpoint it's understanding what you're good at and what your strength is on the verses and then you know honing in on that and maybe having someone else in your organization take care of the other side if that's not your strength right now here's where i will say this isn't really saying i think culture is more important than strategy but i totally totally understand and get where the idea that culture eats strategy for breakfast um comes into play because a lot of times we see it and it it's true that culture does eat strategy, right? Um, as far as depending on the environment that you're entering into, right? But that doesn't mean without strategy, you know, culture alone will help a business be successful without a strategy, right? Absolutely not. Right. I feel like let's uh, let's take it back a second. Let's right. define each for our audience if you know if they're not familiar with the terms and how it applies to business. That's a good point. That's a good point. So, uh, so all right, from a definition, uh, you know, dictionary perspective, you know, culture relates to the customs, art, social institutions, achievement of a particular nation, people, or other social group. So, and out for what we're discussing, we're talking about 
the norms and the customs of a business, the behavior, what's 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 the morales and the overall dynamics that really or usually isn't etched in stone, but you, you get a sense of what's what's normal, what's taboo, what's acceptable, what isn't, so forth, right? For sure. Yep. And, and then a good example is, you know, you have two companies that do the exact same thing, let's mm-hmm. throw, or maybe years ago they did, uh, mm-hmm. Yahoo and Google, right? Two mm-hmm. search engines, mm-hmm. but two wholly different cultures of those mm-hmm. companies. For so. sure, for sure. That's, that's, that's a good example of just companies that did the same thing but different cultures, right? The dictionary definition of strategy is a plan uh, for operations and movements, well, this is giving us the military definition, but during a war or battle. Now, depending on which type of business people you talk to, they will tell you that business is war. And that you know it's for sure. So I guess in this uh, in this instance it could definitely uh 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 apply, right? Yeah. It's basically the tactics you use to win your war against the economy, right? right. So. Indeed, indeed. So with that being said, from a, you know, applying those definitions and, and philosophies into a business, you know, uh, example, it's when I usually come across it and see, you know, most of my examples from my own experience, I've usually been when I see people trying to come in and trying to change the way things are done in a company, right? And... You know, they may have the best strategy, the best plan of attack, the the best ideas, but nine times out of ten, they are getting crushed by the culture, right? Mm, That's a very interesting take because you're talking about it, an existing company with an existing culture, right? and then someone coming in trying to make a a, a operational change or a strategy change, Mm -hmm. and the culture preventing you from doing that. That's a really interesting take. Right. Right. I, I've seen that uh, happen time and time again. You know, people come in very, very smart and talented people and there's nothing necessarily wrong with their strategy. But a few culture mistakes that they've made along the way, too. So that doesn't allow them to get full buy in from the teams and the stakeholders and so forth. All right. So um, that's that's interesting. You made me remember an example from my, um, if you don't mind, from my from my personal from my professional life. Um, so when I was working at WWE, mm-hmm. uh, I want to say this was maybe oh seven. Right. Uh, no, it was later than that. I'm sorry, it might be like oh nine. Either way, we had a new executive vice president come into the fold right. and speaking to what you're speaking about. He wanted to change the culture. Um, right. And this is not he was in cha- he was changing. He wanted to change the culture through something operational. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's fun. It's funny that you bring that up. Um, one of his changes was he wanted everyone to come to our television tapings in, like, not a suit and tie, but professionally dressed. Mm. If you know anything about the culture of television people, <laughs> cameramen, audio yeah. people, they're not really into dressing up to, to hold mics and hold cameras and stuff. So it was just interesting how that didn't take. Um, and it wasn't because there was anything wrong with the strategy per se. Like, mm. the, the intention behind it was let's build the air of professionalism here. Let's, let's right. you know. And and let's take some pride in our work and how we appear. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just doesn't fly with the culture of that company A and then the culture of that work, that task. You have cameramen. Cameramen and audio people, they're blue-collar workers. Right. And you try to make them white-collar workers, it just doesn't align. So yeah. it's just interesting that you say that. And where was his where was his uh, background? What was his background prior? To, um, he was a, a TV executive, so he's you know worked in film and television, right. things of that nature. So, yeah. I mean, I've, I've worked with audio-visual people a lot 
in my in my my career and yeah i i don't that's not even my area of expertise and i could have told you that wasn't gonna fly right? <laughs> <laughs> like, i've been in the trailers i've been in the trucks that is not happening why right like why why would that but that is a good example you know um sometimes what when usually when that happens i assess it as uh sometimes you have the solution but you haven't really diagnosed the problem right um, mm, yeah. so you come with all the solutions, like this is, this is going to fix this, that, and the third, but you may not have a true understanding of what the problem is. And that usually goes within the culture, right? It usually goes within the culture, um, because I'm not, not to oversimplify. I think, you know, strategy is, is very important, but a lot of times strategy is really, you know, it's an operational thing, right? Yep. It's, it's very, yep. it's, it can be very linear. Like this is the problem. Let's fix this. Let's change this. Let's change that. Boom. Finish line solution. Right. Um, which seems great and easy on paper. However, when once you start inter, uh, engaging with the people who are responsible for these tasks, responsible for these deliverables, you start realizing, OK, now I see why this problem is going on here. This is this, you know, which you have to, which is separate from the strategy, right? Now you get into the uh-huh. culture. You know, you might have people that say, oh, well, this is not my job. Um, so-and-so is responsible for this. They won't do their work. Um, or some people that just feels like, why? Just why? I'm going to question it. Why? We don't want a new person here telling us how to move, telling us how to do something. Um, you know, and then you have to think about personalities, you know, maybe someone got passed up for that promotion prior and you coming in. You know, it, there's so much going on. So many factors you got to take into account. That you're not even aware of. And by the time you get an a, a idea of what the culture is, your original strategy is probably shot to pieces. Even, and it's not because it's a bad strategy, is that it never had a chance to even survive uh, because of the culture that was here. That was right. It didn't take the culture into account. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in those cases, without question, without question, I get it. Uh, culture will eat up strategy all the time. Uh, I've had, uh, I've been in places where I knew, I knew going in the culture was going to be totally radical. I knew I was coming into um, a semi-hostile environment just because I was considered an outsider, among other things. I knew there were people who uh, were vying for the uh, role that I got was brought in to do. Um, but I was lucky. I had a, a good team that, you know, was there to help. They It wasn't just me trying to shift the culture on my own, right? I had a team that we, we were all aligned, and it was kind of like we knew what we had to do at hand. But without that support, without being able to read the room, it can be a long uphill battle that, you know, can lead to failure uh, in, in a lot of cases because the support and you're not being set up to succeed in, in that scenario when you're coming in to an existing est- uh, establishment, right? I want to throw a quote, I'm paraphrasing it, but I want to throw a quote at you that I heard and I want your opinion on it. It was a, the right strategy executed poorly will always do better than a poor strategy executed well, right? That that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Say that again. Let me just want to make sure. Uh, a, uh, a, a good strategy mm-hmm. executed poorly mm-hmm. will still do better or go further than the wrong strategy executed perfectly. Oh, um, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. 
I'm sorry, but go ahead. I, I, no, I that was like... it. I was just kind of. It just kind of seemed like it encompassed what you were saying because if you have the strategy, but it's not tuned to the culture of your company, it's useless, right? Right. Because at least if you if you're starting off wrong, it's just wrong regardless. So there's really not much um, room for opportunity for that to succeed. At least if you're starting off good, the strategy is good, but somewhere along the line, the execution doesn't work. You know, at least somewhere along the line that you're giving yourself a chance because you started off good, right? It's uh, I actually teach something similar uh, to my students where uh, it's the quadrant of success uh, where, you you know, we have four quadrants that we discuss and you have strong strategy, flawed execution, strong strategy, um, strong execution, flawed strategy, flawed execution, and a flawed strategy and a strong execution. You really want to be in the strong and strong quadrant, right? Uh, to give yourself a fighting chance. But a lot of times you don't really, um, you don't really have that opportunity to do so. So I, I totally agree with you on that. Totally agree. I'm curious, what's the what's the best? Not obviously strong and strongest idea. What's right. the, what's the next uh, ideal on that list? Well, would it be yeah. Uh, you you would have uh, and I I I need to uh. The name is escape, escaping me on who I need to attribute that quadrant to because I don't want to. That's definitely not mine. But where you want to be, uh, obviously, you want to be in a strong and strong because at least you um, you're giving yourself a good fighting chance, right? So strong mm-hmm. strategy, strong execution. However, if not, the next best would be a strong strategy. A flawed execution. Obviously, nobody okay. nobody's trying to get a flawed anything. But at least no, if you have a strong but, strategy, you can have a flawed execution. Uh, what does that mean? Sometimes it means you know. I mean, it really depends on what's going on. But it doesn't. It's not a botched job, right? It's just uh, you stumbling along the way. It might look a little off. Something might not be connecting on all the angles. But you know. If you're shooting for that, then that would be the next best. But obviously, you don't want to be in that quadrant at all. Right? Can I throw a real world example? I'm sorry, I'm gonna put my go, wife's go. company on under the bus a little bit. Oh, okay. here. Oh, we're talking, the... we naming names. Oh, but it's in the past, so it's, it wasn't this year. So <laughs> in, in 2019, um, you know, Weight uh, Weight Watchers is the company my wife works for. Formerly mm-hmm. Weight Watchers, now WW. Right. Um, their big, their biggest part of the year is you know Super Bowl commercial right. time. That mm-hmm. twenty nineteen, they this is the first time they paid for a Super Bowl commercial. Mm-hmm. But the beginning of the year, New Year's and the restart, that's their biggest time because that's when they get the most signups, and that dictates kind of the numbers for the rest of the year and the rest mm-hmm. of the quarters. Mm-hmm. So quarter one is huge for them. It's the most important quarter of their right. of their business, right. and a big part of that is getting as many signups in that first quarter for the people who want to do their New Year's resolutions, right. etc. Mm-hmm. So in twenty nineteen. Like I mentioned earlier, they put a lot of money into having a Super Bowl campaign, a Super Bowl commercial, so they could have maximum visibility, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the problem with that was that the commercial itself was too generic. It didn't, it was very mood, it was very like, you know, feeling, mm-hmm. but it was no specifics of download the app, sign up here, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It was a very, um, you know, feel good promo, but not a lot of informational, not a lot of technical. How do you get the app? How do you? Mm-hmm. download our product mm-hmm. as a result their subscribers because they put all that money into that marketing plan and doing the super bowl thing they didn't do their normal traditional routes and their subscriber they didn't hit their numbers that they wanted to hit okay. and it was a 
and it was a big problem for the rest of the year. Um, okay. So it affected that quarter and the quarters for the rest of the year. Right. Um, so I bring that up as a, an example, and I'm curious, now that I set it out, it sounds like that was a, an example of the strategy being correct, but mm. the execution being wrong. But is that how you see it too? Uh, I would. I would see it as, well, I mean, actually... Or is it the, not? The, actually, the wrong strategy was to try to get Super Bowl audience. I don't know. I'm thinking about it. No, I'm, I'm thinking so. That. And, you know, it's always... This is why I try to be fair. You know, I'm, I always say there's a lot... We, it's always easy to criticize from the outside looking in, right? Yeah, um, 100%. So yeah. I don't know all the variables and all the layers and who's all responsible, especially for a company as, as big as Weight Watchers, right? Um, it sounds, it, I'm going to venture to say, it sounds like actually it was a little bit of a flawed strategy and a flawed execution. Definitely a flawed execution because, you know, the way it was executed, it didn't provide the right information. It didn't uh, uh, provide the right call to actions and everything that would be needed to tell if this campaign was a success or not. Right. right? So... How were they even measuring success? You know, if if the if the success was based off the New Year signups and and the apps, you know, for me, I'm, if 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 the success is tied to app downloads, new subscribe, new memberships, then I'm going to be diligent and make sure that there's no room for misinterpretation on how to get to those apps and how to sign up. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're being vague in your communication, that's flawed execution. But I would also say it kind of feels also a little bit more in the flawed strategy. Because it's not that uh, applying, uh, uh, trying to attract new clients is not a bad strategy, right? Because you always have to grow. But it seems like they were so focused on the new that they neglected their existing base, which to me is yeah. a flawed strategy. Yeah. So that's where the flawed strategy would come into base. Because now they focused on this new market, which kind of was a dud. And then they didn't even have any plans or any type of attention was given to their existing customer base, which... You know, now, yeah, now I don't, I don't really know if that's really a culture versus strategy conversation. That just seems like a bad con- uh, strategy and execution. Uh, but I don't know, you know, I, I wouldn't, I don't know the culture of Weight Watchers. Open, yeah, right? I would say that's not a culture conversation. It's just kind of the quadrant reminded me of that. But you're right. right. That's a little off from culture. Right. That's just straight strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. No, for sure. For sure. Now, you know, we talked about culture when you're entering an existing operation. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a little bit different than when you are trying to build culture from the ground up. Yeah. Right. So what do you think about that? What are your thoughts about how that goes into play? My thoughts on that are that in those cases, you know, 80 percent of the time it starts with the leader of the organization or leaders of mm-hmm. the organization, whoever's in leadership. Mm-hmm. So usually the culture, it has to kind of be built through the personality of the leaders um, mm-hmm. because you haven't established the culture yet so they right. kind of look towards the leaders to what to do and how to do it right right um and that's fair i do i will say i think i would say a lot of people don't even take culture into consideration as they're starting a new business mm, um, that's true and without re- with, with fair reason why they wouldn't i mean i think if if you especially if you're starting out your own business you're a team of one or two you know, and if you're thinking, hey, I just have to, I started a business to be profitable, right? I'm trying to be profitable. I'm trying to get some sales. I'm trying to get some clients. If it's just me and one other person, I'm not really probably going to be focused on what the goal 
of our culture is or even how do we feel on certain things, right? Now, the flip side to that is because even companies that we may f- that may think they don't have a culture or have not put energy towards creating a culture, whether they realize it or not, they've created a culture. It's a culture that doesn't care about culture. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? That's a good that's a good note. So like you can create the culture or it'll be created around you. Right? Or it'll be created around you. And what can happen is that when it's created around you, now you have something that you're not really in control of. You know, it's a little um and if it gets to a point where it's out of hand and out of control. Now, if something was to happen, you have no way to really get a grip or handle without, uh, at this point, alienating, isolating a lot of your your team or your company, mm-hmm. depending on how big it get. But early on, it's it's uh, for a lot of people, it's not really it's not really a thought, you know, unless you're a company that starts off with the mission statement. Like, if your whole proposition is that we're a different company because we're more moral and more ethical than x y and z then you've led with your culture you've yeah. led you, your whole selling proposition and differentiator is that we are different because of our culture right um and i have different thoughts on that right um i don't I'm not saying it's good or bad if that's if that's your your differentiator the culture that's great but then that puts you in a position where now you you're gonna have to always always adhere to that culture and top to bottom, bottom up, you know, front back to left, all of that. You're gonna have to always make sure that you're on top of that, which is a job within itself. It's a business within this business. Now, not saying that you should have no attention to culture, but if you lead with my differentiators that our culture is different and we're ethical and we're more ethical, it can put you on a possibly uh, a, a, a slippery slope depending on which industry you're in, you know? Yeah, definitely, because sometimes, and let's be honest, it's not realistic in every situation in a capitalistic environment to hold to moral standards if it's going to contradict with your capitalism, right, and it contradict with your bottom line. Right, right. No, that's 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 totally fair. I mean, granted, I'm not here trying to. I don't think any. Well, let me not generalize. I don't think a lot of people go into business or trying to create a business and saying we're trying to be the meanest. We don't care, right? But we we can look at business over the decades. Like when there is a certain culture and how it how it can be persuasive and lead to a lot of toxic and, and bad work environments, right? If you think about. Like how the work environment was in the '60s, and the '70s, and the '80s. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even up to the '80s, 80s Wall Street. You know? '80s Wall Street. Uh, you know, '90s. Even now, today. You know, um, if you have no culture, if you can't define your own culture, uh, you'll have to you'll you place yourself at the mercy of them defining it for you. Yeah. Right. Um, but what does that mean? Does that mean that? To define your culture, you need to hit on every topic. Like, what does that mean for you as far as saying, I, if you need to define the culture of your company? To me personally, it's, um, like I said, it starts with the leader of the organization or leaders because they set the tone for communication and priorities and stuff like that. Right. Um, but I guess after that, once you have a baseline and once you're already in operation, I guess the next thing would be it sounds so like such like a platitude, but mm-hmm. it's not. It's how you handle adversity, right? That kind of speaks to your culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether it's financial adversity or, or, you know, the perception of your company, whatever it is, mm-hmm. I feel like that 
is kind of like where you test your culture, right? Maybe you set it with, you know, the launch of the organization, hmm. but once you go out there and you get your first challenge is where it really tests it and uh-huh. you challenge it. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I don't it's 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 always interesting, right? As 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 a small business owner or even like a larger company because the larger you get, especially as an international company, those cultures are going to sh- the culture norms and values are going to shift from company to company and across regions if you're multinational. Right? Um, if you're a small company, it's just probably not existent, <laughs> right? It's probably unless yeah. it's like there. But I do think a lot of that culture will trickle down from the leader of the of that business, right? So, Sean, you have your business. So, however your staff and team you know, behaves and moves, even whether they realize it or not, it's really a reflection of you, whatever you have instilled, whatever mm-hmm. practices that you have uh, in- installed and, and how you carry yourself around the team. Now, that doesn't mean you're changing these people and making them into whole new people overnight and, and changing their whole outlook on life, but it sets a precedent on how they are expected to behave and carry themselves, at least in the presence of you and doing work with you on, on behalf of your name and your company, right? Um, yeah. So uh, let's talk about a real-world example real quick because um, Facebook is known for having a great company culture, right? That's been some of the – maybe it's just because of the amenities or whatever it is or the salary, but for whatever reason, they are one of the top, what, five companies in Silicon, Silicon Valley in terms of culture, according mm-hmm. to people. Uh-huh. Um, right now, they're going through a situation where employees are walking out. A couple have resigned, higher level have resigned due mm-hmm. to how um, Mark Zuckerberg is handling, you know, Donald Trump and his tweets and things of that nature mm-hmm. and the misinformation. So, I bring that up just to ask you: in a situation like that, you have a company with, regardless of their perception on the outside and how people care about the company, breaking them up, whatever. The internal culture has always been. We love working here. It's a great place to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you have a situation like this, I mean, I mean, if you're Zuckerberg, what would you do? You know. Well, let, before we get back to him, let's let's step yeah. back a little bit more. Okay. You know, um, the culture is good to who, right? <laughs> let's, let's talk about that. Yeah. Right. To I, the employees. To probably, the employees. And they probably might stop there. Right. right. And and tech, the tech culture is a whole beast within itself. Right, like that culture, we could have a that would be that probably be a five part episode, <laughs> five part episode about the culture of tech, the workplace environment in tech. So, you know, that's gonna oversimplify. Let's let's we have to kind of break it down. So, the culture of tech and who is predominantly in that industry, you know, perks such as and and, and also what their value system is, of course, you know, generally speaking, well paying job benefits mm-hmm. lunch breakfast all these events around cool people and shows and you know all these type of things right so from a workplace environment you know i could definitely see where that would be considered a cool place to work does that really mean that the culture is is on the level or does that just mean hey we got good <laughs> perks right um yeah. and then you start talking about the affin- affinity groups right now i don't work at facebook i've had a f- i know i have a few friends that worked in i've been in the, uh, the offices a few times you know from the outside looking in it's it seems cool it doesn't seem like a bad place to work at right at all but 
that doesn't really mean that the culture is there or the or they have a clear culture. It seems, you know, everything that I've seen from the press release and things like that, um, the culture seems to be inviting and open and, you know, uh, a place where you can present your views and perspectives. But then at the same time, I've also heard stories where the culture isn't that inviting. And, you know, depending on what uh, group you are part of and what you identify as, you know, in regards to sex and, and ethnicity and, and things like that and political views, it may not be as inviting, right? So then that speaks to the culture and how do they deal with the culture and so forth and along with their business goals, right? Yeah. Being on that type of a, having that type of a platform and that large of a company, I would be very, you know, you know, they deal with communication and information. I would be very surprised. There's not going to be a unified perspective on the culture of the company, right? Whereas a company like Zappos, they're selling shoes, but their culture early on was that we're not selling shoes, we're selling happiness. So that's why they're consistently on the top rank list of companies with good culture and good value to work with and so forth, mm. right? Um, Interesting. Yeah. So even though they're owned by Amazon, which is on the other hand, Amazon company culture from reports and things that I've read and seen doesn't have the best. I don't want to say it doesn't have the best culture. That's reputation. Like, yeah, they 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 have a culture and they have a reputation. It's not viewed favorably. You know yeah. what I mean? It's it's viewed as very cutthroat, very backstab, you know, teammates sabotaging each other, you know, everything that I've read about it and so forth. And as we've seen now with the COVID-19 and uh, the George, George Floyd uh, situation and, and the protests and stuff, you know, they, they're, they've been called to task a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking about tech culture and, and, and communication culture. Uh, I mean, the communication within a company like that. I don't know. Um, that would that would be very hard. But and but let's be fair. As let's let's call it for what it is. When we spoke earlier about the founders, and if you don't really identify culture early on, it is going to take traits of the founder and probably trickle down to an extent whether they stated or not. Right. Yeah. So look at who's the face of these companies. Right. Um, if you look at at at, uh, at a Mark, if you look at a Bezos. You know, I don't know these gentlemen, but from everything I've read and, and, and heard, you know, there's been some questionable character qualities, right? Definitely. So then... Uh, probably <laughs> more so on Zuckerberg in terms of public perception. But right. Yeah. And so then with that being said, it kind of, it's understood that, okay, yeah, that's, that's, it's going to kind of, if you, if it wasn't established already, it's probably going to trickle down in not the most favorable way. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, not really. Yeah. Perks is good. Perks is always good, I guess, you know, like, <laughs> like, but let's also be clear. Like the reason why these perks is there is also to get the most productivity out of a person. If I can feed you breakfast yeah. and lunch and dinner, then I'm probably going to want you there all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's all designed for productivity. Yep. Right. So, so that's a good segue actually, cause I wanted to bring it back down to, you know, away from multi-billion dollar corporations into a more small business conversation. So besides building the culture with the head of the organization, um, in your experience, for those who don't ignore it and who'd actually build culture with small businesses, like what's kind of the first step? 
the first time, you know, th there's there's no template. There's no blueprint. I do think the first step is just even acknowledging if you do have one or not. Yeah. Right? Do you have a culture or are you just trying to make the fastest buck right now or not? Um, and it doesn't always happen right away. The culture changes over time, right? Like mm -hmm. Google, you know, their culture was don't be evil, right? That was their, when they first came out, that was just their whole mantra. Um, and it's going to change across industries, right? And, you know, like Ben and Jerry's, Ben and Jerry's has always been on the front lines in regards to, um, you know, topics, current events and social issues and injustice uh, in, in general and rights for people since the beginning, right? So for them, it just kind of, it seems like that kind of sprout out organically, right? Um, I think, you know, you just have to really know, be uh, confident in who you are and what you're about from the beginning. Um, doesn't mean you need to make a show of how you're more ethical than the next person or more, you know, on a moral high ground with your company. Unless that, unless unless that is your differentiator which i don't even really know what that looks like you know um overall but if 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 your whole proposition is that we're the more moral and ethical company then that's a whole another conversation about working your culture and strategy into the situation if yeah if you're starting your own business um i really think it's you you just have to be mindful of it and especially as it grows as it grows as you start bringing in more people, you know, do they align with that? But then that can also lead into problems, which we see a lot, especially in tech and other conversation around diversity, We're talking about culture fit and stuff like that, because then depending on how the, the shift of the culture swings, you can create a culture and, and not even realize it and then say, hey, we, they just didn't fit in here, right? But it's... It's a reason why they didn't fit in. Uh, There's a reason why you know certain people aren't succeeding in the role that they're provided with, right? Right. Mm -hmm. I think certain things just. I mean, it's going to come organically through your business operations, and you're going to learn about who and what the company is just from checking the general boxes you got to do to promote and run your business. Um, so I don't know if there's a like you were saying. I don't know if there's a template, but. Um, that's my opinion is that if some of these things happen organically and you find some of these answers organically. Right. I would, I would say for me, you know, with everybody who I've worked with, you know, we talk, we, um, I try to maintain good communication. So there isn't much confusion on how I move in and what I'm about when it comes to my business and operations. Um, I don't have a set statement saying this is my culture and values of my company, mm -hmm. but I think it's very, you know, it's understood, right? Now, we got to the point where now we are a multinational conglomerate. For me, I'm just going to have to work on that and make sure that the culture, as much as I'm growing the business, I'm making sure that I'm cultivating the culture and making sure that it's it's as much effort that I'm putting into the business, I'm putting into making sure that the culture is a certain way, right? Right. Um, just because you it, it, it can eat your company alive, Right. Um, from the inside out if it's not really handled in the right way. Which also brings us to, you know, recently with all these companies out here putting press releases up, right? Mm -hmm. And some of them aren't as well-received as others. You mentioned Ben & Jerry. I feel like theirs has been the universally um, best one, right? I well, guess. Right. Universally accepted as the best one. I would say, you know, and here's why. I don't... 
it goes back to relevancy and you know nowadays where's your receipts right it doesn't cost anything to put out a tweet or a press release for a lot of these companies or to put up a meme or, or something to saying we stand with you or we're in solidarity right um where are the receipts that show the actions behind it right and you know for me it's not it's not really about saying just who's well received it's is it really part of your culture or are you just doing it? If, if, if you're doing it because everybody else is doing it, it's so blatant and so obvious. Yeah. You know, it really, and that shows, that shows more what your culture is about, at least for me, uh, than, than what it's not about. Right. Cause then now I'm like, all right, now I don't even, I'm already suspicious of most companies as it is when it comes to that and public release statements. But now it just—it's so obvious. If if I've if your track record and history doesn't show anything that even uh, speaks to your whatever type of work or whatever issue you're speaking out on, you know, then I'm very um, like, okay, so what are we doing? You know, changing, putting out a statement, or even you know, for this month, changing your logo or your icon to a rainbow color doesn't really mean much, right? If you're just riding a wave with a trend. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's not your culture, um, just say it with your chest, <laughs> right? Like, if that's not your culture, if that's not what y'all are about, if y'all not really on, you know, front street with your political views or organizations or you know causes, I would I would respect that as well as opposed to putting out a statement that really doesn't mean anything, right? And it really does yeah. it doesn't speak to your culture of the company, so to speak. Right. So, yeah. So and it's I think it's very telling right right about now on the, the culture of these companies. Yeah, it's, it's hard to not be transparent, even if you're trying to, you know, uh, imply that you're something you're not as a company. Right. I don't I don't know. Again, everybody's on their own. I don't know what the right response is for each company. But I tell you what, when it's when it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. You know, it's like a feeling, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, and for us who are who have been in this industry, and we know how these companies move behind scenes, it can be, you know, we're like, uh, that really didn't hit the mark there, right? And even yeah. before then, so it's not just the protest; it's even how these companies were responding when COVID nineteen first hit. What is their culture like, <laughs> right? Uh, through their communication, you can kind of see where where the priorities and what the uh, inside workings and operations of how they moved as a company were. If you let's go, I want to go back to the existing scenario where you go in and try to, you know, go into a changing of culture. Okay. Uh, how long? How long does it take to change culture? Would you say? How long would you wait to change? Try to change the culture. So when you say so, you've had the idea to I want to change the culture of my comp of this company. Right. I'm walking in. Is you're saying how long does it take from that decision to the change? To yeah, like you come in day one. Okay, Sean, you coming in, Sean. You got a whole th- bunch of things you want to change about the culture, or you want to. You have a great strategy, but you need buy-in from the culture of the company. How long do you work to change the culture, or how long <laughs> do you wait for it to change? I, I, I personally, I think you got to give it a year. Um, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anything significantly changes in a 
company. I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, you can have massive growth in shorter time than that. I'm not, I'm not talking about stuff like that, right. but um, it just seems hard to influence a whole a whole organization without a year of consistency. You know. Okay, so you give it a year. That's my personal. Yeah, I will give it a year. Okay. I give it about a year and a half, two years. Okay. Yeah. See, I was I was aiming low because I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to like make it a. a too daunting of a task, but I agree with you. Sean, you gotta say it with your chest, Sean. Say it with your chest. <laughs> I, I agree with you, yo. Two years is closer to, uh, but year. If you got a great, if you got a charismatic leader, I can see it being a year. You know what I mean? Because okay. that flows. So that yeah, I say a year and a half to two years. Um, and again, that doesn't mean that the whole company and the culture changes overnight. But I right. would say, um. To see some significant change, it takes about a year and a half, two years. Um, and how long do you wait? You know, it doesn't mean after two years you're like, I'm done. No, um, not at all. Um, but yeah, I you know, I, I saw this interview recently with the uh, the CEO of Lowe's, and mm. um, it was a good interview. I was, I'm not really too familiar with how they operate as a company, but you know, I wasn't aware that when he came on, and I think it was 2018, the company was like doing bad overall, like. Um, just bad operation, money-wise, uh, you know, operating profitability, all of that. They closed a few stores, but he talked about how he had to get buy-in and change the culture of the company before he did anything that would make significant changes within the company. Mm. And now that you know, you know, two years later, two years later, right? Um, Definitely, they're on the upswing in regards to operations, their e-commerce experience, uh, stores and and store in store uh, stuff. You know, even helping people during the time now with uh, uh, helping small businesses get loans and stuff like that. It's 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 a remarkable change and turnaround. But you know, one thing that I took away from was he just made it known. I had all these plans, but until I was able to change the culture and get the buy-in, it was this plan was not going to happen. And this is the CEO talking. Right, right. the CEO told it. So imagine someone who's who's the head of the marketing department or on a small, not I don't say smaller, but you know dealing with a smaller team and a smaller department and trying to make these smaller changes that they feel it's like it's not such a big deal. If the CEO is saying this is what he had to do, you know, you just imagine what's going on on a on a smaller scale, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, another question though. Now, does change equal success? Not necessarily. I mean, it depends. That's so specific, but it depends on what the change in the culture is, right? Because sometimes it could change for the worse. Right. Um, so yeah, it's case by case. Doesn't always equal success. I don't think. Right. Right. I mean, definitely. This. This is now. This is. This is. Oh, I'm gonna sound. I'm probably gonna sound like a horrible person. This is. <laughs> this is where you. You know, you change the culture. Everybody's upbeat and, you know, the causes are stated and everybody's doing good and the culture has changed. But y'all not making no money. The strategy isn't there, right? We're all happy, but the business is failing, right? Yeah. So <laughs> so you've built the culture of, you know, of yes, you've you've got the positivity, but where's the culture of success, right? Right. And so. exactly. Where's the culture of success? It's not lining up. What's that strategy looking like? And uh and and things like that. So um, you know, it's unfortunate, but you know, and I've seen that. I I've seen that and that actually the times that I've seen that is usually when it's companies that 
come out the gate and their proposition is that we are different because of our ethics and because of our morals. Mm, And and I know that just sounds so bad, right? Because it's like, you can be a good company and have a good culture, right? And and be about things and progressive change and stuff. Doesn't mean that it's a bad thing, but, and I might need to do a little bit more research, but I'm not clear on a company that came straight out the gate and identified that as their differentiator that made them successful. Right. Me either. I mean, they may they may be an example in like the sustainable uh, sustainable energy space, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head. You know? uh, hmm. Yeah, we we'll have to come back to that. Definitely we'll have yeah. to come back to that. Um. Yeah. So. All right. So then we have culture. We have the strategy. We have the quadrant of success. Right. Um. How. How do you measure culture in general? Like, how do you get a gauge for the culture of a company when you're dealing with them? Uh, the employees and kind of what the, well, you know, let me say the, whatever the, the messages are, right? Mm-hmm. The messaging that they put out there first mm-hmm. uh, on their press releases or whatever it is. But I'll say the employees. The employees usually, whether intentionally or not, they usually give you a good idea what the culture of the company you're dealing with, whether mm-hmm. if they're saying something, so flipping as like, or so nonchalant as like, yeah, you know, we're always late around here or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Things like that. They, employees will quickly tell you what the culture of the company they're working for mm-hmm. in your interactions with them. So, mm-hmm. You ever do any online reviews to see what's going on? For company <laughs> when I'm applying to companies, definitely. But um, when I'm doing business, not necessarily because, I don't know. I feel like there's, the, the, the smaller businesses, I feel like there's, uh a tendency for consumers to hold their opinions as as i don't want to say hold them hostage but use them weaponize them mm-hmm. and if you have a bad experience with a company that that's not necessarily and it's a personal experience you're a bad personal experience and they'll choose to like you know use that as an opportunity to bash the company um so i don't oh i, I, I take these user reviews with a grain of salt sometimes um but if you're talking about internal company reviews like people who are in the organization talking about the culture that I take. Yeah, I do look at those a lot. So. Mm, mm, okay. Okay. Um, I actually use a mix of both to be quite honest. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm going to say I'm super intuitive or anything like that, but I, I, I feel I can get a good feel of a, the company culture early on. You know, I'm not, I like to kind of observe and, you know, assess the scenario before mm-hmm. I start coming straight to the gate. You know, and I will say there is a tendency for people to want you to have a solution even when you tell them you don't have one. Right. Right? Even if you're saying I'm I need to assess the culture and understand what's going on before I tell you what to do or how we need to proceed, there is a tendency to be like, "Well, what do you have now?" And it's like, "What are we talking about?" Right? Yeah, but, I need to, I need to know what I'm talking about before right, I give you an answer. And that seems to be very uh a rare it doesn't seem to be common practice, which is blows me away a lot of times. But I usually, you know, try to get us. I'm not going to get a full sense of the culture and some a few interactions. But uh, for me, it's a it's a mix. It's a mixed recipe, you know. Um, one I do look online. I without question, I look online. I, I look at the, and not really the consumer views, but the employees and contract views. You know, go to the glass doors. Also do some non-traditional stuff. I go to Twitter. You know, you'd be surprised what you find on Twitter. You know, of course, you yeah. got to take everything 
accordingly. And like you said, when people try to weaponize their opinions, you know, always, always take all of that into consideration without question. But uh, what I'm looking for is to try to understand a paint, a picture, get a picture painted, some good, some bad, nothing is going to be perfect. Right. Right. And then definitely interacting with the people who you will be engaging and work with. If someone reaches out to me for a project, to work with me for a project, and I know that person to be just chaotic, <laughs> just all over the place, not we don't really work well together, or I find myself being frustrated a lot with them in the past, to me, that's a reputation of the company, right? Um, that person is not saying that that person is a bad culture fit or that they just have bad whatever, but that's already setting me off, right? It's already giving me like spider senses, right? So then I'm like, well, who's the rest of the team that I'm going to be working with? Who who's the other characters? Who's the other play? Let's All let's right. let's get familiar with each other first before we uh, truly engage in a in an in agreement or a business agreement, uh, regard and 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 move forward. Which I think a lot of times, especially as you're building your business first early on, there tends to be, let me just get these contracts. Let me just close these deals. As opposed to saying, well, let me get a feel of the culture of the company. Am I going to, is this going to be a nice three months working with this client and project? Or is it going to be a, the worst three months ever, but I, I I got the check, right? Right, yeah. So, yeah, sometimes that's the price. Or sometimes that's just your focus. You right. Know? So over the years, I've learned my measurement comes in various forms. It's like, do a little research on my own. Let me, you know, it's the, as I call it, the the courting period. We court each other. You know, I'm, I'm, I usually don't go into closing a deal or working with someone ASAP. I don't know the last time I've done that. All right. So any closing, uh, closing notes about coaching strategy that you want to speak on based on how we... My only closing note, I guess, would be is that there is no, <laughs> there is no correct, in my opinion, culture versus is not one or the other. We've established that culture can eat strategy, mm. so culture also needs to always needs to be taken into account. But I mean, you can't have one without the other per se, because eventually the culture will be built around you if you don't choose one for your organization. You know, I think a lot of times, especially even for me, this. It wasn't like this was an abstract concept, but it was a concept that I just never really paid much attention to early on uh, going into business for myself. For me, early on, it was just business, closing deals, getting new clients and so forth. So it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of for a lot of entrepreneurs that are starting out, this may also may, may not be on a radar to even consider, like, what is my culture? You know what I mean? Or even because they're like, oh, my business is just me. What do you mean? Right? Let's do a quick little exercise before we wrap up. I want to throw out a company and you tell me um, what you think their culture is. And if you want to respond one way, you can too. But Bevel, <laughs> what's the culture of Bevel? Oh, give me a, a pop quiz. Oh, shoot. Who you said, Bevel? You said yeah, Bevel? Bevel. Um, I like Bevel. I like the company Bevel. Um, and I like Tristan. I like what he's trying to do. Um, the culture, hmm. They've been quiet for a while. I, will I say. know that's why I brought it They've up because quiet. they were so they had such a presence in the podcasting space. For right, a right, time. right, right, right. And so, um, oh, damn, you put me on the spot, Sean. Um, I like them. I know early on when when Tristan was when Tristan was very active. When he was very active, he was active. Right, he was he was his the culture was tied in to the company without question. 
Now, I just want to make a distinction because you said Bevel. And I knew this was, it's, Bevel is the product, you know. Uh, yes, Bevel's the product. And, yep. But the company as a whole uh, was Walker & Co., if I'm not mistaken. Right? Yep, yep, All yep. All right, so just so to clarify for the audience. So Walker & Co. as a whole is a company that was focused on uh, hair care products and grooming products for the African-American community, black community. Right. So the first product to the market was the bevel uh, shaving kit set. Right now, as far as the culture, he's made it very clear that who these products are for um, and, you know, the type of people that they want to recruit on their team and whatnot. So, you know, all the pitches and everything I've seen of the team, it looks like is a very inviting and, and diverse culture. He also was advocate. Uh, I think he was the co-founder of Code 2020, which is an initiative to get more people into the tech space in Silicon Valley. So mm-hmm. that whole culture, it just seems like in this day, if you were going to have a checklist of hitting all the marks, right, on creating a good culture of a culture of a company that's very inclusive of people from all backgrounds and 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 things like that, you know, when um from the outside looking in, I would say you know it, it hit all the points but and but um they've been quiet so who knows it's been this they've been quiet for a little bit for a while now uh yeah probably over i mean they've been quieter than they used to be right ever since they got acquired by uh was it procter and gamble yeah if i'm not mistaken so and it's been a while so who knows what the culture is like now i have no idea Right. Um, but if you're asking me what it what it's like based on my knowledge a few years ago when it was heavy in the podcast space, you know, that was it. I know they were still their startup. They was heavy in a startup mode. Uh, one of my friends was working for them at the time. It was a they was in startup mode and it was a grueling process, but it seemed like it was everybody was appreciated and, and the value system was very clear and front and center on what they stood for. So, for the community. Okay. Because yeah. I always think of them versus like a Dollar Shave Club or um, what's the, I don't know if you, if you watch YouTube as much as I do, but there's that shampoo that they're always plugging at a pre roll and post roll every what's, YouTube video. Yeah, are you familiar with it? I'm not. The one where like, they're like, uh, your face is not a dish. And then you pull the dish against the wall. I am familiar with Dollar Shave Club and their ads as well. I like Dollar Shave Club too. I mean, if you was to ask me what their culture is like, see, now that's where you start getting a little different because mm-hmm. with Bevel and, and Walker and his, Trish and Walker and his company, they their company uh, and the way they position themselves is more, you know, it wasn't just, it was about the product, but the product was beh- be, was because of a cause and a mission, right? And the mission and the cause is that there wasn't enough products for the black community, to, uh, and in this case, Bevel, uh, black men to find products that would, you know, not um, cause all the bumps and everything. There wasn't a proper product out there, right? You had to do like electric shave and all these other tactics. It was like a risk if you was going to shave. You didn't know what the hell your neck was going to come out looking like, right? Also, the way how the products for uh, hair care products was this position in uh, supermarkets and, and um, not supermarkets, you know, convenience stores and beauty supply stores and all of that, so that that's that that that's embedded in the culture of the company, right? That's that's there. So because of the product, you 
and the, the the need for that product is going to seep through the culture and how they recruit talent and the overall messaging. Whereas Dollar Shave Club, the way they came about wasn't because of, oh, you know, we're being, you know, the way our dollars is being disrespected in, in the beauty mm-hmm. community is, is not up to par. That, that, that. that wasn't there. So their culture is going to be completely different in regards to how they're like, stop shaving like your granddad, get these for a dollar, right? Um, they're coming with a more humorous approach and, you know, manly men. And, you know, it's a little bit more, you know, just more co- comedic and more up, you know, funny style. So that, I and this is speculation, but based off the commercials, I could see a, a very frat boyish like co- co- uh, culture, right? Yep, it's um, very like this is the family <laughs> way to wash your face. Yeah, like, that's that's Sean, the culture. Sean, which, you said yup. I'm, I'm just saying that's what it is. You know, what I mean? it's different. So. Sean was like, "Yup, that's how it is." Uh, yeah. Now you know if I go behind the scenes and, and was to work at the company or work with them, I don't know. I mean, would I be in for a pleasant surprise? Possibly, you know. But if I'm going off what I see from the commercials and the advertisements and how it's positioned, that's what I'm getting. You know, it, it seems more like they have, I'm not saying they don't have fun at Bevel, but it's it's fun, but it's with a purpose, you know, more cultural purpose tied to it. Whereas Dollar Shave Club may not be as, you know, culturally purpose driven as that. Mm-hmm. And it's not anything wrong with it it's just different no, paths it's, it's different paths yep. introductory that's all so yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah cool well thank you for throwing that little pop quiz out uh, <laughs> yeah me. it was just you know everything you were saying it made me down those companies popped in my head so. all right no no that was a good one thank you appreciate that keep keeping me sharp keeping me sharp right here. <laughs> all right so that's a wrap on this week's episode about culture and strategy hopefully you were able to pick up some insights on these two powerful forces that can influence your business if you have any questions you would like us to answer on the show, shoot us a message on any of our social media channels or shoot us an email at questions at businessgrindshow.com. See you again soon. In the meantime, keep grinding. The Business Grind is for entertainment purposes. Opinions expressed are those solely of the host and guests. Please consult with a professional and exercise discretion before engaging in any business endeavors.